What's up, guys? And uh, welcome back to another episode of the Fight the MMA Show with your host, Kalen Nero, and my main man, Kanan Sonye, who, again, this week is not the Pick'em King. Let's go, boys and girls. Two weeks in a row. Let's get it. Hey, man, it came down to that one female fight again, man. We're going to have to start watching some female fighters, Kanan. You know? Well, well you see, I, I really... I picked this fight just to have a difference maker in the card. And Julia, Julia, whatever her name is, she looked terrible. <laughs> she looked strong for the most part, but, man, Yana Kuniskaya, man, looking at her back muscles, man, she intimidated me, and I'm 170 pounds heavier than her or some crap like that. Uh, yeah, man, she, she looked good. Everybody who we picked for the most part looked good. Um, now we did have two losses. We had, we had two losses that, that we picked, but the guy still looked good for the most part, uh, even though Patolo got caught in the first round, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, yeah, guys, so you heard the new intro song. I know it's different from the other intro song and we're trying to incorporate new things into the podcast, like the intro song and the outro song, stuff like that. But we were trying to incorporate the intro song and we thought it was a free copyright free, uh, beat. And it turned out that the youtube copyright struck it so we decided to go with a different song that we know for sure is copyright free hopefully this one doesn't get copyright struck uh it doesn't really matter right now because we're not really monetized anyway but uh just in the future just by any chance that we do get monetized we want to kind of have that uh set and good to go so if that changes again again we're sorry we're just trying to get all the the kinks and stuff ironed out now um, while we're still in the early stages of this whole uh, channel so yeah guys uh good fights this weekend Big fights coming up in the next weekend, and we'll be bringing y'all that pre-fight breakdown here soon for the whole entire card, from the early prelims to prelims to main card, um, as we do for pay-per-views. Uh, both of us, our favorite fighters, are going to be fighting on that card in DC in the main event. So we're looking forward to that. But yeah, so we're going to get down into the UFC Fight Night. I believe this is 175, uh, Lewis versus Olenek card. Um, the main card breakdown for the post-fight. So, yeah, we had in the first fight, Benil Darius versus Scott Holtzman. And my main man, Ken, is going to break this one down for y'all. Man, this fight started out with great exchanges. We, we had predicted that Benil Darius was going to control this fight, and he did. He, they, kept, they had great exchanges, each of them. A couple of eye pokes by Scott Holtzman that really stopped the fight and just halted everything. And Darius looked pissed after the second one. After the second eye poke, I, Darius was mad. And he ended up hitting him with a big knee in the first round. He put him in trouble, but he let him recover. And then to finish the round, hits him with a spinning back fist, which he connected with his forearm right on Holtzman's face. And it was crazy because Holtzman just dropped, and Darius was just standing there like, it's over. He shook his hands. He wasn't even going to attack, and Herbie just stepped in the way and was like, yeah, we're done here. Darius, he looked great, man. I look, I want to see him find a top-10 guy in his next fight. I think he looked great in this fight. I think he... Put a guy in Scott Holtzman. He put him out in the first round. He he handled the fight. I think I think he did well enough. I think he deserves a top to finish. He's definitely going to move up in the rankings. I feel like after this fight, maybe yeah. a twelve. I mean, Scott Holtzman wasn't a ranked guy, but maybe twelve. I think he, he should fight a top ten guy. Yeah, Scott Holtzman. Scott Holtzman wasn't a ranked guy, but he was definitely one of those guys right on the 16, 17, 15, like right outside the top fifteen mark. He uh, he was a really promising prospect coming into this fight. But man, but Neil Darius in his past two fights has looked like a killer, man. It seemed like the, the UFC kind of wanted to put him on that gatekeeper status, and he's showing them, like, hey, I'm not a gatekeeper. You know, he's freaking finished the last two guys. I believe he's fought, in like, in the first or second round. And uh, that spinning back fist was was crazy. I mean, and 
Lucky for Darius, he didn't break his arm. A lot of guys who throw that spinning back fist and land on the forearm, they'll break their forearm. Um, but it looked like he kind of caught him across the chin in the perfect spot rather than catching him across the forehead. He catches him across the forehead. That's where he kind of run into trouble. Max Page Van Zandt. Um, that's how she broke her arm. But yeah, Darius, man, he, he's dangerous everywhere. Like we said before the fight, black belt Muay Thai, black belt in Jiu-Jitsu. He can kill you standing up or on the ground, you know. And uh, Scott Holtzman sadly had to learn the hard way. And he got sat down in the first round, man. Like like you said, uh, Benel Darius definitely uh, deserves a top 10 guy next in the lightweight division. Uh, I can see... I mean, I really don't know besides like the top... Everybody in the top five, top six is kind of tied up right now, you know. Uh, maybe if Edson Barbosa decides to come back to lightweight in a in fight, I think he's in that ten spot or that eight spot, maybe. Uh, that'd be a, I think that would be a good fight that I would like to see in the future. Um, kind of Barbosa's kind of in that that stage where he's becoming that gatekeeper for the top ten, and so I could see that fight kind of kind of going from here. So yeah, I mean, good fight for Benio Darius. Hopefully, he gets a, a high ranked opponent now and. Starts to move up in the rankings rather than having to keep fighting down. Um, on to our next fight, we had a women's bantamweight fight between Yana Kunitskaya and Julia Stoliarenko. This is where we picked different. Like Kanan said, he kind of picked different just to where we wouldn't have um, the same exact picks for every single fight. Uh, and I give it to you, man. I- I'll let you slide this week. This was the biggest toss-up on the card, man. It was really just... I mean... We didn't know full amount, full about both of these ladies. All the other fights, we pretty much felt the same way. And mm-hmm. this was the fight. It was just like, it's a toss-up. And I'd rather there be a winner than a tie because there's no fun in ties. Right. And and Julia really showed that she did have the, the prominence in the BJJ in this fight. As any time it actually went to the ground, Yana looked to be kind of in danger, uh, which was kind of confusing to me why Yana decided to stay in the clinch the entire fight. But I guess she just realized how much stronger she was than Julia. And literally, I think she had 13 minutes of clinch control time in a 15-minute fight. She well, I think, in that first, I think in that first round, Julia came out like fast, came out moving. And she got in that clinch position where she had two overhooks. And Yana realized that she could keep her here. Yana realized in that first round that this position, she could stay in the whole fight and win the fight off this position. Because Julia put herself in that position to start that fight. She came in, she got two overhooks, and was looking for a takedown the whole time she was in the clinch. She was trying to get a takedown, trying to jump up, pull guard, but it wasn't working. Yana was too strong, completely too strong. She dominated the fight. And Julia, it showed all Julia was trying to do was get it to the ground and try to do submissions because she could not get out of that clinch. That clinch was deadly, and Yana realized that in the first round and continued that for the rest of the fight. Right, I just think she was extremely way, like way, way stronger than Julia. Julia was a thick girl, definitely. But I don't think she has the the strength to be in the one thirty five pound division. I think I think she needs to maybe consider maybe changing her lifestyle a little bit and trying to get down to that one twenty five. I think she'll be big and strong at one twenty five. But but Yana's a big thirty fiver. She's buff, man. She's strong as hell. And like like you said, she just controlled the clinch the entire fight. Like I said, thirteen minutes of clinch control time. That's that's almost unheard of. That's Khabib numbers, you know. Like with the with the ground control, she grabbed her, put her up against the cage, and said, "You're not going anywhere," and just dirty boxed her the whole fight. Um, that's normally something you see whenever someone's going to be fighting someone who's going to outstrike them. But Yana realized that I can outstrike her on the feet or I can bring her in close, not take any damage and just beat her up for 15 minutes. So that's what she did. And I mean, it, it worked out for her perfectly. So I can't, I can't knock the strategy. It was a very boring fight, 
for the most part. Um, the only times that I really got excited was when, and I got a little nervous, is when Julia got her to the ground, I think, late in the second round and uh, almost had her in an armbar. And uh, that freaked me out a little bit. But, I mean, besides that, I want to say, uh, I mean, I was it, it, was a, it was a really one-sided <laughs> affair. Well, the first round, I want to say the strike count was 65 to 1. And I was just like, man, like this is. It's what it was like, in the third was, round, it was, too. It was, it was like 68 to 2 or something like that. It was it was definitely a boring fight. And Yana did what she had to do to win. All props to her. She realized Julia wasn't strong enough to get off out of them, them overhooks. And right. she couldn't get under her. She couldn't swim. She couldn't take her down. She couldn't get her back off the off the fence. She didn't know how to pummel at all. She did not. And she realized that quickly. And she went for that each consecutive round after that. And then after the second round and third round, every time she got on the ground, she stood right back up. She was like, I'm not going to be here. And that's all Julia was trying to do. She was trying to pull guard, trying to jump, literally look like a monkey jumping on her. And I was just like, like it, it didn't look good. It didn't look it didn't look it didn't look great. I she didn't look like she deserved to be there. Oh no. I don't think so. With that and I mean that's crazy coming from an Invicta like, a, a former Invicta champion, man. Normally those Invicta girls are I, I wanna say Yana was one too as well though. But normally normally those Invicta champions are, are very um maybe not always top like top heap, but definitely your top fifteen type of female fighters, you know? Uh, as their divisions aren't super deep. But anyways. So on to our next fight, we had a fight in the middleweight division between Maki Patolo and Darren Stewart. Um, this fight went a little bit different than we expected for sure. Um, I was started out how we predicted it, and then it just went down. Right. Uh, Maki looked really, really good, actually. Uh, the Hawaiian kid looked really good. He looked really thick in his legs, man. Everyone was saying, like, why didn't this kid go down to 70? And then I looked at his tree trunk legs. I'm like, this kid can't make that cut with those legs. The dude was thick. He... He looked very, very, very strong. He looked good in the clin- uh, good in the striking department. He did a very good job of working the one. Like he, he hit a uh, Darren Stewart with a, a one-two, like straight down the pipe mid, like mid third, mid first round, and rocked him. And I was like, uh oh, here we go, you know. And then I think I uh, was it Patolo that shot the takedown. Well, he, Stewart kind of got him in a clinch, and then Patolo went for the takedown, and he yeah. got the takedown. Yeah, but he level changed straight into a, a, a guillotine, and uh, well, he kept he kept his head tucked, and that's his that was that was his downfall at that point. He kept his head tucked into the body that left the guillotine open. He, he didn't come back up with the he didn't come back up with the head or had better head movement in that shot. So where in that shot he he kept tucked in with his head, and it was all he had, all Stewart had to do was wrap around and hook at the guillotine, which is exactly what he did. Yeah. So yeah, man, I, not 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 the way we wanted it to go. Not the way we expected it to go. Um, but, I mean, Darren Stewart did the right thing. It was pretty even. On, I would say it was fairly even, if not evenly matched on the feet throughout the first round. Darren Stewart hit him Patolo, with big shots. I think Patola looked great in the first round, man. He was landing great strikes, and he was making he was making Stewart miss, in my opinion. He was he, he was he was winning that round. I agree. And then after that takedown, his head got tucked. I was looking for that fight to stay on the feet. Right. And I'm surprised he shot that shot. It wasn't a master class by any means, but Patolo... But he was winning the exchanges. I found I found Stewart hit him with a couple good shots too. Patolo was there to be hit. Yeah. Um, but I I don't understand. I guess I guess he felt he was stronger. He looked like the stronger guy in there. Um, I think Stewart really hit him with a good shot because Darren Stewart can bang man. Darren Stewart can put people out. And uh, I I think Patolo got hit with a shot that he wasn't comfortable with, and he tried to get it out of the ground. 
and it just kind of bit him in the ass. You know, it happens. Got to keep that. I mean, you got to keep that head up. You know, can't keep that chin tucked down. Get yourself caught. Anyways, so yeah, that's that's the first fight that I got wrong. Second one that Cannon got that wrong that night. But we're gonna act like he didn't get the women's fight wrong this week, guys. We're just gonna we're gonna say it was even this week just because he picked. Because I'm sure we're gonna have many differing opinions on this card coming up. Uh, oh yeah. Well, not the two. Not the two like final fights. Who who's in the co-main? Sugar Sean. Versus Cheeto. Yeah, yeah. Sugar Sean's. I gotta have to pick Sugar Sean. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. on to the co-main event of the fight we're, on the card we're covering. We're, we're, we're so excited about this card coming up, guys. Uh, we're already talking about it. but So for the co-main event, we had Amari Akhmedov versus Chris Weidman. And, uh, hey, man, good for Chris Weidman. Like I said, I wanted him to win in my heart, you know. But I felt that he was kind of towards the end of his career. But he showed that he still got a little bit of fight left in him. Uh, I don't necessarily see a title, title run out of Chris Weidman at this point in his career. He's 36 years old. He's he's won two out of his last six now. Um, but he's the four losses he has, he's been knocked out. So um, that was that still worries me a little bit. Amari Akhmedov was the shorter guy, had like I think a five-inch reach disadvantage or something like that, something kind of – it was either five or three inches, but still. Um, first round, I definitely gave to Weidman. Weidman controlled the grappling. Wyman was definitely the bigger guy in there. Um, second round, I, I found Amari did an amazing job with Wyman. He controlled the grappling. He he outstruck him on the feet. And I was getting nervous there for a while. It looked like Wyman got rocked towards the end of the second round. I thought Amari might have kind of, like, kind of got in and got a late finish in the second round. But Wyman survived, and then Amari was gassed in the third round, man. He, he just looked like... That's not something we're, we're, we're used to seeing from those guys out of the, the Caucasus Mountains over there in Dagestan, you know? We're used to guys who go 15 minutes hard and don't slow down from bell to bell, you know. And uh, that's not what happened in this fight at all. After the second round, Akhmedov looked exhausted, and Chris Weidman took advantage of it and just outwilled him to the win, you know. Yeah, I agree. This fight was one of the ground. Weidman won the first and the third round. The second round, I gave to Omari. Uh, Weidman came out, and he landed some good takedowns. He got him to the ground. He got his first couple of takedown attempts stuffed, which was which would look good for Amari, but Weidman kept coming. He kept coming, shooting takedown other takedown. And I don't say he landed two takedowns in the first round to seal that round for him. Amari came in the second round and came out as the aggressive striker, was throwing great punches, got a few takedowns of his own to secure that round. So going to the third, final round, whoever wins that round wins the fight, and Weidman lived up to the test. Weidman looked good, looked good in this fight. I fully think he looked good in this fight. Better than he's looked in his last couple fights. But once again, it was shown to me, Weidman has only lost to the top five guys. Weidman has lost to great guys. And my dad pointed this out after the fight. Like, we should have realized they they want Weidman's career to continue. Like, he's a, he's a household name. They're going to mm-hmm. feed him somebody they think he can beat. And I yeah. realized this after the fight. That, that's probably true. Omari has never faced guys that Weidman's lost to. Weidman's losses, even though the knockouts have been the top five guys. And... Right, I, but yeah. I don't think I don't think this, the UFC is necessarily gonna. I know they're gonna want to keep Wyman around, but they're not necessarily gonna feed him guys that they, that's gonna help him win. They're gonna feed him guys that's gonna be a good matchup. Um, if you look at BJ Penn, the UFC loves BJ Penn now, or they did um, before he started fighting bouncers at bars in Hawaii. But 
before that, you think BJ Penn's on the downfall of his career and they feed him Ryan Hall, of all people. And they feed him the best jiu-jitsu guy in the UFC. Like, here, go get your leg taken off, you know? So I don't, I don't think necessarily they're, they're going to match him up for someone that he can beat. But I think it was a good matchup for Chris Wyman to come back down to 185 to get a wrestler. I'd have to worry about someone who's an explosive striker who has been his downfall. Kind of getting another win in the win column. Now, Wyman probably steps up, fights a lower top 10 guy. He might, if he wouldn't have gone three rounds, I could say he can maybe step in for Uriah, for the Uriah Hall, Uriah Romero fight since Yoel kind of fell out recently. I think Uriah Hall's at that eight spot. That wouldn't be a bad fight for uh, for Wyman to take. It is against an explosive striker, but Uriah's not very good on the ground. So I think that's a fight Wyman might want to take in order to try and get himself back up to that top five contention. Um, so I read some stuff today, actually. A fighter's coming back, and he wants to make his second bout with Wyman. Luke Rockhold. Oh. Apparently, Ooh. Luke Rockhold said this past week that he he wants to come back fighting. They asked him why he said, because I feel like it. And he he's looking to set up Rockhold Weidman too after that first fight, which was a title fight. That'd be a good fight too. I mean, so yeah, uh, I'd be cool with that fight. But it wasn't more of like them feeding him to Weidman. It was more of a fight to keep. I feel like to keep Weidman relevant. Yeah. Like you, you, if you give him somebody to keep him relevant, where like I, after looking at it, I feel like I definitely. I mean, I'm not the biggest Weidman fan. I don't know. There's just some of his antics, especially after the Anderson Silva fights. I mean, Silva broke his leg and just stuff he did. I mean, I get it. You beat Silva the first time. The second time he broke his leg and it's just like, you didn't really beat him. But uh, I definitely overlooked it and let my dislike for Wyman kind of pick this fight. I mean, I thought Amari had a shot, but after watching this fight, Wyman's only lost to the, like great guys. He hasn't really lost to anybody that's like a scrub. Yeah. But I'm excited to see if Rockhold and Wyman do fight at the end of the year. That's what that's what Rockhold's looking forward to, looking towards. And like that's what he said in the interview I read. Yeah. See, I almost I almost picked Wyman uh, whenever we were looking at this fight. But coming down from two oh five after getting knocked he got knocked out at two oh five, right? Yeah, by Reyes. Yeah. So he got knocked out by Dominic Reyes at two oh five, coming back down to one eighty five. I just thought his chin was gone, man. I thought I thought his, his confidence would be gone. And he proved me wrong, man. He, he proved that he still wants to be here. I figured he was getting towards the, that 36, 37-year-old range. So it was to where some guys, most guys taper off unless you're Olenek or Yoel Romero and fight to your 45 or whatever. Or DC fighting to your 40-something. But normally those guys sort of taper off of that 36, 37 range, you know. Um, chin's gone, I thought. But, hey, he proved me wrong, man, and I'm happy for him. Um, I don't have any disdain towards Chris Wyman at all. Uh, not saying I'm a big fan of his, but I'm also not against him. So that really didn't have much to play with with me. My my thing was I just thought he was kind of on the end of his career. And uh, but yeah, he proved me wrong. So good for him. Anyways, so on to the main event we had Derek Lewis versus Alexei Olenek in the main event of the evening, and the fight went how I expected for the most part. Except Derek Lewis actually came out and started fast this time, which is not Derek Lewis esque. Derek Lewis usually comes out, kind of starts slow, saves up that energy, and then once you start getting tired in third, fourth round, he starts to start, like tries to start hitting you with bombs. And uh, I have to say, Derek Lewis is lucky that there's five minute rounds though, because at the end of the first round, he got himself in a freaking bind with Olenek with like 
10 seconds left and Olenek was wrapping up a, a I think it was an Americana. I might have been a Kimura. And, uh, I mean, give Olenek 20 more seconds and Derek Lewis probably would have had to tap. So that's one thing I'll say that Derek needs to be careful of with jiu-jitsu guys is, hey, Derek, just stay off the ground with him and do what you do in the second round where you throw a flying knee at 265 pounds, knee the dude straight in the sternum, and then just blast him with the right hand and put him to sleep. Just do that instead. <laughs> I think coming into this fight, Derek Lewis is look. Derek Lewis looked the best coming in this fight that I've seen ever seen him come in the UFC. He looks motivated. He looks he looked great. I was impressed. I was shocked when I saw him. I was like, damn, like damn, he looks skinny. He looks small. He looks thinner. He looks bulky. Like he, he looks said, stronger. He looks normally he, looks a whole he lot cuts from two ninety. He said he only had to cut from two seventy two this time. So he only cut seven yeah. pounds. And for a fat guy, guys, that's easy. Lewis. Which props to Derek Lewis. He's a big dude. Well, he came in. He dominated the fight on the feet in the first round. When they got to the ground, Alexi's jiu-jitsu prowess took over, man. Alexi was going chain submission, submission after submission, getting in and out of positions. He owned the ground. Derek Lewis would stand up, would be able to get out, but he'd try to go right back on top of him, which I didn't get. Like, you want to be on the feet in this fight. You do not want to be on the ground with somebody who has 46 submissions to his credit. Well, that's one thing that a lot of people underestimate Derek Lewis for. Derek Lewis's ability to be on top and ground and pound people is actually extremely good. He's so strong, and believe it or not, his transitions out of guard are really, really good. He does a good job of transitioning from your guard, trying to get you into butterfly guard, and then stepping over into mount. He does a really good job of that. He did it. He almost did it to Olenek, which is crazy because Olenek is a is one of the best jiu-jitsu players in the, in the sport. And Derek's top game is very underrated, but he does leave himself open for submissions. He likes to put his hands on, on, on the ground. He likes to keep his hands on people's chest. He's just asking to get triangle or armbar. But, I mean, he doesn't really have to worry about that at heavyweight too much because triangles and stuff are really hard for heavyweights to pull off. Um, and Derek Lewis got a thick neck. Right. I think the only person that's really ever pulled off triangles at, at heavyweight is Fabricio, and I think he has two or three, and that's it. So, I mean, it's not an easy submission at heavyweight. Big legs, big necks. It's kind of hard to get a triangle choke. So I guess he can kind of get away with it. But well, Alexi, Alexi had him in a submission attempt. Well, the the now the the commentators were like this might just a way to get Derek tired. But after the fight, Derek was like, I couldn't breathe. Like, I really part of me wanted to tap, but the other part of him was like, I'm not tapping. Like, I'm not going out like this. And he and he survived through it. He almost got caught at the end of the first round. The first round would have been 15 seconds longer. It, could, it probably would have been over. His arm would have been broken if he didn't tap. Well, coming to that second round, he came out. He's like, I'm ending this fight. He threw that flying knee. Well, it more or less hit him in the chest and then came over that right hand and then just started dropping bombs to her being stopped. It. And, I mean, that's Derek Lewis fighting. But in the post-fight, Derek Lewis, again, to his credit, being motivated, he said he wants to lose 15, 20 pounds before he accepts his next fight, which I want to see that Derek Lewis. That Derek Lewis is going to be fast, and he's going to be and – he's, and he's proven if – he's, if he's doing all this, he's on a mission. He wants, he wants to prove something, and – I I'm excited to see it. I definitely want to see his ground game and wrestling improve because that's I mean that's where that's his biggest struggle point. He's good on the feet. He'll throw hands all day and he'll drop people. I want to say he broke the the record for heavyweight knockouts in this fight. I think he tied it. You're tired or broke it? Oh, he and, might have broke it. And I'm excited if he loses those 15 20 pounds because he looks motivated. He looks great. He looks in shape. I think this is the best ver- version of Derek Lewis. Could you imagine seeing like a 250 pound? 
Derek Lewis versus a 248-pound Francis Ngannou again. And they actually fight this time instead of play touch yeah, button that last, park. That last fight, that last fight was terrible. That I would just like to see them meet on the F in the UFC in the middle of the octagon, plant their feet and just go. And just one <laughs> to, after the other. Like Ricardo Lamas, Max Holloway, center of the octagon, except Ngannou and Derek Lewis, and see who's still standing. Like, but that's the thing, though; those guys hit so hard, it wouldn't last that long. Like no. if one of those dudes gets a clean shot, you probably going out on that first shot. They if they stand and bang. Like you can't do that with them. You know they're gonna knock some drop somebody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But I looked at Derek Lewis. I think he's fight. He's gonna fight Curtis Blades next. That'd be a good fight. Be a good fight. But that's, the only problem is, is that we Derek feed Derek, Derek Lewis needs to get that weight down then and really work on his wrestling defense for real, like for yep. real, for real. Curtis Blades uh, already announced that's exactly what he's gonna do. He's gonna take him down. He's gonna repeatedly hold, take him down and and try to him. elbow him to death. I mean that's what that's what Curtis Blades does. I say Alistair Omari. Overeem got split the hell open with those elbows, and and Blades is really good, man. Blade Blades is kryptonite, just Ngannou, man. He just can't, he can't eat the shot from Ngannou. He's literally undefeated, I think, besides his two losses to Ngannou. So I mean, and I mean Ngannou, and some people is the paper champ, you know. Some people think that he deserves to be the champion of the division and stuff. And I mean, we'll have obviously the two guys fighting for it. In my opinion, are the champion, are, are going to be the champions yeah, of the division, whoever wins. Right, the two of the greatest heavyweights of all time, but Ngannou can make that claim, man. If, if soon, you know, but let, let let DC win the belt first and then retire, and then Ngannou, you can take the belt. Well, a lot of people are talking like this might be the last fight for DC and Stipe. A lot of people are talking like Stipe is on the verge of retiring. Stipe is not going to be around for much longer. And when both of those guys retire, I think this weight class is going to be in good hands with Ngannou, Blades, Derek Lewis. Yeah, that definitely is definitely a lot better off than what it was three or four years ago, for sure. Uh, I don't I don't think this will be the last fight for Stipe though. I mean, if he wins, one of them. If he wins, then yeah, he'll probably retire. If he doesn't win, I think he sticks around and tries to win the belt back. He'll fight Ngannou too and try to win the belt back if he doesn't win. Yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he'll I think he'll fight again to try and get the belt back and then try and like extend his his uh, title defense record. Uh, so my last my last thing with that talking about retiring. So, word is DC's retiring out of this fight, but I think. Okay, Javier Mendez. I heard heard that, bro. I heard that, and I, 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 part of me fully agrees. Part of me agrees, and part of me doesn't to the point where I think, I think, I think Daniel's done with the Jones, like done with the Jones rivalry. I think he's over it. I think he's just past it. I mean, he's 42, 43 years old. I think he's definitely ready to retire. But you can't tell me that fight would be amazing at heavyweight. I want to see it. Okay. I'm excited. If Jones comes back, which I don't think, I want to see Jones fight Ngannou still. Yeah. So since we're talking about it, even though we're not supposed to talk about it right now, we'll talk about it anyway. Um, I think that fight makes a lot of money. And oh, I wow. think I think if Uncle Dana whips out the checkbook and says, Daniel, what you want, then Daniel will definitely do it. But yeah. Daniel's had a good career, man. He's been doing this for so but damn you, long. You, you, I, I want that. I want that. I want that payday for DC. I really do. But Daniel but has been doing this for so long. Let him be the heavyweight goat. If he wins the belt, just let him ride off into the sunset. Heavyweight goat, yeah, goat, facts. greatest of all time at the heavyweight division. He avenged his only loss he ever had at heavyweight. Other than that, he's never really lost. 
he he won the belt twice at heavyweight. He won the belt twice at light heavyweight. Goat. Let him let him be goat status. Let him just leave and make that argument. But. But. <laughs> if John Jones comes up to heavyweight, and DC beats John Jones at heavyweight, the rest of the world will have no choice but to admit that Daniel Cormier is the greatest fighter to ever touch the face of the planet. Ever. Not Anderson Silva. Not GSP. Not Habib. Habib hasn't lost. Still, if he can beat John Jones at heavyweight, he would have avenged every single one of his losses, just like GSP did, at two weight classes against the census number one fighter ever. And the census number one heavyweight ever. Or consensus, I should say. So he would have beat he would have beat the number one light heavyweight ever. The number one heavyweight ever. In his last two fights and rode off into the sunset at 42, 43 years old. DC, if that's the legacy you want to leave, you can absolutely do that. But you have to understand, you may go out and beat Stipe. Be, be known as the heavyweight GOAT and potentially the GOAT. And then John beats you. Yeah, no. Then you have no legacy. Oh, you have a legacy. You have he's a legacy. Be, he's, he's, one of the top, he's one of the top fighters of all time. You still have a legacy, but you have no number one something. That's the risk you got to be willing to take. Daniel, I know you don't watch the podcast, but I know you're friends with Mr. Jared. So, Mr. Jared, if you can just clip this and send this to him. <laughs> Daniel, beat Stipe and retire. I want to see you happy. I, I think you can beat I think you can beat John at heavyweight. I really do, and I love you, and I think that you would beat John at heavyweight. But god damn it, if you don't, I'm gonna cry for you, buddy. So just just oh, retire. The other two fights. <laughs> just retire. <laughs> Just, just hop right off into the sunset, so we, me, Kanan, and everybody who loves you, and everybody who's your fan, could be happy for you. Just do that. Plus, you're too old to be fighting, man. It's time for you to become the president of the UFC when Dana retires, and hire me as as a Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby. Me and Kanan, right here, buddy. I'll be your matchmaker. Oh, I'll, I'll set those fights up. I'll be happy to set their fights up. <laughs> there we go. All right, guys. So that's gonna wrap it up for this podcast today. Um. Again, we appreciate y'all tuning in to come and check out the content again. Uh, we really hope y'all are enjoying the videos. Again, please drop in the comments uh, any ideas that you have, you, you guys have for videos or anything like that. Um, as for the fighter news, there's still some some planning going on, so we'll see about that. Uh, maybe, maybe not. It, it's all gonna depend. Um, guys, really busy, so we'll see. Um, so don't get your hopes up, but we're trying. Um, we may start looking to try and get some of the smaller level guys um, on the show here soon. Um, just to talk kind of more of the local scene and more of the the regional scene, and uh, as well as talk some more fights what's what's coming up in the UFC. But yeah, guys, again, thank y'all for tuning in. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And yeah, I'm still the Pickham King. We will see after UFC 254. Who's really really? Or is it 253? Or 252? Which one's coming up? 252? 
think it's 252. Yeah, 252. God, I was too off. I think I read UFC 254 earlier. Uh, I think that Amanda Nunes card, maybe, or something like that. But anyway. I think that's the Gaethje card. It is. That's the Khabib Gaethje card. That's why I read it earlier. But yeah. So yeah. Um, be on the lookout for the pre-fight for the UFC 252. Uh, we'll be coming to y'all with that Friday afternoon, more than likely. Um, so yeah. Thanks again, guys. We love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Cannon, if you want to give a little sign out. Thank you, guys. Thanks for rocking with us, and we hope you enjoy. All right, boys. We'll catch y'all later. Peace.